Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, February 19th, 2019. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And of course, every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. And I really do hope you'll call with your investing questions. That's what this show is about, answering your questions. There's no requirements to call, but it does make for a more interesting show when you participate. And you can shape the show in, in, in the direction you want it to go. Um, remember, our goal at Invest Talk here is to help you achieve financial independence, financial freedom by making your, you a better investor. That's my job. Make you a better investor with your money so you can achieve whatever that financial goal is, that financial independence. Now, you've heard me say this before. We, we, you know, here on K, yeah, KPP Financial and Invest Talk, is to, you know, we we try to implement a philosophy we call independent thinking and shared success, because you know I invest my own money right along my side, my clients, and I I'm perfectly straightforward with what we're doing. So hopefully we'll all chart the same course going forward. So just what is financial freedom? What does it mean? Financial independence. I, I was thinking about that today for myself. What is financial independence for me? I've thought about it before, but I'm getting pretty close to that goal. I'm getting pretty close. For me, and I don't mind sharing, for me, it's like $5 million, $6 million in, in investments, okay? I'm not some ultra $100 million billion guy. I'm not. I'm just a regular guy that has a business uh, and that I've put, you know worked hard to, to protect and grow. And that's but I don't need more than that. That'd be fine, because that I don't have. I'm not. I don't have a lot of expenses. I don't have. But I want to have the comfort of being able to take care of any kind of medical emergency. So that's what it is for me. But what is it for you? Maybe for you, it's not nearly that much money. Here in Southern California, I got to have it to pay the taxes alone. So, so you know, it depends on you and where you are and how much money you need. So. On this show today, this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you get there, wherever there is, one step at a time. And along the way, I hope you'll participate by calling with your financial investment questions. Our Anytime Listener Line number is always open. It's open right now. We're live right now at 888-99-CHART. Okay, so far in 2019, the S&P 500 is up about 16% from its low. Still not... Not up where the high was, but it's hitting resistance. You know, we talked about resistance on Investment Academy. I showed you what resistance looks like. How, you know, it's right at resistance levels, and it's not not uncommon. You know, the ultimate resistance right around twenty nine hundred dollar, twenty nine hundred on the S and P, but right here at twenty seven seventy nine, twenty eight hundred, it's been in that range two or three times uh, and f- 
failed in November and uh, December and then dropped like a stone in December. So that's where the next resistance is. It's right at it. Then it will go on up to 2,900 if it continued to move up. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm having a feeling that we're getting, getting to the top of this short-term run for the time being. Doesn't mean we won't continue higher. I just don't, I don't know if we will, but from a technical point of view, this is a lot of resistance that's going to hit. And what I mean by that is people who were at this level before buying stocks are happy to get out at this level to remember the people that say, oh, when I get even, I'll get out. Well, there's a lot of those people out there right now at this level. So I think that's where we are. Now, have you seen the consumer sentiment numbers? Kind of interesting. People are spending money. Look at Walmart. Same store sales stores. Same store sales. Same store sales year after year. That's how they count that, the stores. We're up 4.2%. Sam's Club up 3.3%. U.S. Walmart e-commerce sales shot up 43%. So Walmart looks like it might be having a solution, uh, uh, a, a solution for Amazon. You know, Amazon is you know, been the king, the only one. But, you know, when you're the king, you always attract competition. And Walmart's a pretty big company. So Walmart and Amazon are aggressive competitors out there. And so they are pushing hard. So to give you an example, Walmart has about, incorporated 1969. Okay, that's when they started. 1969. Okay, um, <clears throat> and so they're really at about what their fiftieth anniversary here. The company was listed on the New York Stock Exchange in nineteen seventy-two, and by nineteen eighty-eight, Walmart was the most profitable retailer in the U.S. Over eleven thousand stores, one point five million employees, and two point five million globally. By the way, Amazon nineteen eighty-four. Did you know Amazon didn't start off with a name Amazon? It was Kudabra. 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 Okay? I don't know how they say that, but it's probably Kudabra, Inc. Spelled C-A-D-A-B-R-A. C-A-D-A-B-R-A. Anyway, that was their first name. They changed in 1995 to Amazon. So they're going to have 25 years. This is their 25th anniversary, half the years of uh, Walmart. Um, 1997, they went public. 1988, the company began selling music and videos. And at which time, it also began began operations internationally. So Amazon has 613,000 employees, about much much less than than, uh, Walmart. So those are the broad views. But Amazon has better growth rates. Right? Has much better growth rates than Walmart. Hmm. But remember, I just said Walmart's increasing by 43% their online business. Hmm. So we'll see. And finally, has there been any real progress with the Chinese trade talks? There's a lot of talk that things are going well. We don't really know, do we? The market thinks there's a deal. The market feels that there's a deal in the works here somewhere. So, China trade agreement is eventually going to be signed according to the market. Because that's why it's one of the reasons why it's been so strong. 
you had two main reasons why the market's been strong here, January and February, and that is the Federal Reserve and the possibility of this deal with China. Federal Reserve members said, well, maybe we won't be uh, increasing our rates. Uh, I think they are cheating, the Federal Reserve, but remember they were December very aggressive, saying we're going to raise rates next year, this year. In January, they changed their tune. They're going to be patient. Hmm. Why is that? What happened? Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little later. Now, as you can tell, there's always interesting market news to talk about every day. But first, let's grab a question from our Anytime anytime listener line number 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Justin in North Carolina. Uh, I have a significantly overweight position in, in Oracle, and uh, I like the company long-term, but, but think this is maybe a, a good... Uh, possible covered call option for me here. I don't have a lot of experience with, with covered calls, but is, do you think a, a, an overweight position in a company you like is a, is a good opportunity to, to consider covered calls? And if so, what would be the, the strike price targets uh, you would you sort of look at? Thank you. Okay, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not an options guy. That's Justin, so maybe we can save that question for Justin. I noticed he left it on our listener line, but you shouldn't be overweight. That's the thing that caught my ear. You say you're overweight Oracle. Why? There's no reason to be overweight Oracle. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Oracle. I'm not saying that it's a bad stock or anything, but you know, one of the jobs as you, you as the the manager of your own funds is that you make sure you diversify, make sure you rebalance your portfolio every so often. So try not to be overweight any one stock. But a good way to, you know, you I do think options is a good way to protect yourself. And so I think your your the idea of using options is a good idea. What that means, people, is that he can hold on to the stocks. Okay, he can hold on to Oracle stock. And they can sell options against it, meaning you put the stock, some of the shares, to somebody else at a certain price. But that keeps. But it, the price has to meet a certain, get to a certain point. If it doesn't, he, he, selling that option gives him money for every option he sells. They have to pay a premium to him. Meanwhile, if the stock keeps moving up, he can still keep holding on to it. So there's a way to. Protect yourself on the downside using options, and that's what he's trying to do. I'm trying not to get too technical. I know more than that about options. I just don't think that every it's, it's for everybody. It's it's a complex way. You probably should give Justin a call. He'll, he'll talk to you privately about that because he's good at that. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm always encouraged to buy the positive response to my offer of no-cost portfolio review consultations. When I travel to San Jose, San Jose, California, I'll be there again. I'm up there almost every month, it seems like. So I have a new date. I'll be there March 13th. It's about half full right now. That's a Wednesday, March 13th. So, well, you know, space is limited. Why don't you give us a call? You can go to investtalk.com, send me an email, and ask for what, you know, if you want to meet with me. And, uh... Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get we'll get a hold of you. Give me a phone number, an email address. We'll get a hold of you, and we'll set up a time. And now I'm taking your questions live at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Yesterday was a market holiday, so this week is shortened. 
But you still want unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, Steve Peasley is here now, taking your Invest Talk calls live. Get your questions in 888 99Chart. So, what kind of questions do you have? Or do you have any questions? Maybe you know everything there is to know about the stock market. You don't need me. Maybe I need you. Maybe you can give me some pointers. I'll be happy with that. Let's go to uh, Jim in Indiana. How you doing, Jim? I'm good, Steve. Good to talk to you. Thank you. I was calling tonight about EWZ, the Brazilian ETF. Mm-hmm. 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 Do you want to buy it or do you own it? Is it something that uh, you know you do you think Brazil is I, going to turn around? I had bought it a while back after its double bottom, and actually that was I a, hung very out good. with it and it had a trailing stop on it and ended up getting stopped out, um, ah. which I was fine with because I'd made some I'd made some money on it. I was happy with it, but I really hadn't intended it as a trade. But it moved up so quickly. I thought I need to. I need to protect myself here, and I put that trailing stop in. Now I heard you say That's something a, while, a few weeks back about it. Is it? Mm-hmm. What are What are your thoughts on it moving forward? Is it going to go back up, or is that something that we shouldn't okay. be looking for? Okay. Um, I don't, you know, Jim had a very, several very good points there, people. He mentioned a double bottom. When he saw it hit a double bottom, that means, you know, if, remember, Investor Academy, I taught double bottoms and tops and support and resistance. And the double bottom here was at $31. They hit $31 like in July last year, and then it went up to 36 Then it went all the way back down to $31 again, and then started back up. That's called a double bottom. And that's when he bought it. When it's coming off, up, it's double bottom. And so then he got ran up and he got, he had a trailing stop, meaning he would get out if he's going to follow it up. But if it fell a certain level, he's going to get out and lock in his profits. All that thinking is good thinking when you're trading the stock. And Jim, I think this was a trading stock, not not a uh, not a long-term investment, my, personally. Um, it's an ETF, EWZ's ETF Brazil. Uh, but the main the you know, I, I just don't think Brazil is ready to recover yet. But I think you want to see it bottom again. If it bottoms again at a double bottom at 36, that might be a good place. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I want to thank you for making this program part of your routine. And Justin and I do our very best to make it interesting. I really do. So give us a call, 888-99-CHART. Well, it's official. Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose on Wednesday, March 13th. Space is limited, but if you act fast, you can register for his free one-on-one portfolio review consultation. Details at investtalk.com. And now, Steve is here taking your calls live. Get your questions in 888-99-CHART. So the market ended up up today. The Dow was up only eight points, but that's still a positive. The Nasdaq up 14 and the S&P up four. So it was 
not it was pretty flat but it was in the it was up almost all day and that kind of gave back of some of that toward the end of the day and our main talking point today drug giants can save american billions but will they heart drugs and other preventative medicines are keeping down medical cost but pharmaceuticals pricing may hold back other advances so we're going to look at that today if we can. Also, there's still time to slash your 2018 taxes. How to do that? Still time. You got. You can do some certain things, and we'll talk about what those are. Five, uh, five ways why you should always own stocks. Five reasons why you should always own stocks. Always. Doesn't mean you, you, no matter how old you are. Always. So we're going to talk about that. And I got a couple of economic numbers we're going to discuss. Industrial production numbers and consumer sentiment numbers. You remember retail sales for December, which is very late and that's very long ago, were pretty bad. But if we're looking at uh, more recent numbers, recent numbers, um, you know, the, I have a feeling that retail sales may, may look much better for January. And hopefully that's not delayed. Hopefully we'll get those numbers on time. Who knows? Maybe we should be getting them by now. I don't know. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and get another question from a caller. This call came in at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. C-H-A-R-T. See, um, I called in a while ago. You guys said you know, it looked like a great value, especially with the baby boomers retiring. And it looked like a great REIT to get into. Steve advised I wait till it dropped around 14. Unfortunately, or fortunately for those who invested, that never came. So I'm still watching the stock, and it's gone up considerably. I'm thinking if it pulls back maybe to around the 1650 range, it might be a good time to get in. Just want to see what you guys think. Thanks. Bye. Well, that's too bad. I don't know when you called, but it got down to about 15. And, that's, and then went up from there. It's now 1878. Now, 15 was right right at the beginning of the year. So you may have, it depends on what you call it. There was resistance right around 1775 or so. Um, but I don't know how, you know, it wasn't that much. It broke through and went up to 1878. So now it's a new 52-week high. So, you know, there's no resistance anymore. And this is a DOC is a symbol, Physicians Realty Trust. So it's a real estate investment trust, a REIT, that uh, owns 280 properties located in 30 states, Physicians Realty Trust. So it's it's medical, and I do like that sector. Um, pays a 4.9% dividend, and stock is $18.78. It's growing last quarter 13%, quarter before that 40%. Um, I think if the market gives you a pullback, this will give you a pullback also. And I think you're looking at now, I mean, it, right around 15 would be great, but I don't know if it's going to fall back that far. Uh, I think there's a couple of points. Uh, one's right around 17, the other one, $17, and the other one's around $16, $16.25. You can buy this technically if you're looking at a chart and we're going to look at when we study charts it's at a new 52 week high that's called a breakout and when it breaks out when it breaks out to a new 52 week high that usually you know, there's no resistance to the left of the chart for it to slow down so you could buy it here 
And what you could do is maybe buy half your position. So so if it keeps running up on you, you don't lose it. But I, I will warn you, I, I probably wouldn't do that. The relative strength indicator is above 70. And whenever that happens, that means it's overbought. And the MACD is, you know, way out of kind of uh, way up. And that kind of tells me it's overbought. I think you're going to get a pullback. Now, remember, when we're reading charts, remember, it's not a science. It's kind of an art. This tends to happen. Doesn't always happen. Tends to happen. So let's go to Brandon in Sacramento. Let's talk about the economy. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, I'm doing. I'm doing well, Steve. How about yourself? I'm good. Well, you know, I have a cold, fighting the cold, but you know what? I could be worse, so I'm okay with it. I'll get over it. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about that. So, what do you want to talk about? So I just wanted to ask you, I, I listen to your show, I'm a regular listener, and um, I've heard some people saying that there no bubble in the economy is present or can be detected uh, right now. But what I wanted to ask is the Federal Reserve policy and quantitative easing and flashing of interest rates, wouldn't that create an expansion of the money supply and wouldn't that be the bubble in today's economy? Yes. If they were doing that, they're not. They're still, remember, they're letting their balance sheet, people don't really pay attention too close to that balance sheet. They're letting that balance sheet run off. And because of that, that is a form of tightening the finance, not loosening, not producing more money. And they haven't reduced rates. They just said they're going to be patient in increasing rates. So they're they're not inflating yet. You know, they're not putting money in the system yet. Only, I think they won't do it until a recession. I, don't, I think that they probably won't raise rates again. So they're not going to produce that, that bubblish feeling. Appreciate it. Thank you. This is the Best Talk 888 chart. You know what my husband and I really want? I mean, after years of working and saving and investing, we want financial freedom. Financial freedom to do and live as we want, without worry. But our old 401k plan? It's out of date. It can't truly be working for us. You're listening to someone who would benefit from a personalized portfolio review. The kind of unbiased advice and sensible investment strategies offered in a no-cost preliminary consultation by KPP Financial. Sure, we feel confident about some of our investment decisions over the years, But retirement will get here someday, and we should cover our bases now. Get a valuable second opinion on your current financial picture. And KPP Financial doesn't impose unnecessary products or services, so you can make informed decisions with your money. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking and shared success. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. KPP Financial. Okay. Learn more anytime at kppfinancial.com. Steve and Justin are always grateful when you make Invest Talk a part of your daily routine. And their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. 888 99Chart. 888-992-4278. So what's our main talking point today? Drug giants can save American billions. 
but will they? Now, this is actually a good news story, really. It's from Bloomberg. Um, Heart disease and other preventative medicines are keeping the costs down. Medicare costs, pharma, uh, even though... You know, the big complaint about all from all the politics, left, right, Washington, all complain about the big pharmas and their practices and how much money they charge for things. But there's been a study by the health affairs from Harvard economist and Obamacare architect David Cutler, which they were trying to identify the reasons behind a, a mysterious slowdown in healthcare spending among older Americans in recent years. The slowdown in healthcare spending in older Americans. Now, they think it's gone from 3.8% uh, annual uh, uh, growth to 1.1% annual growth in spending. Why? Why? It's interesting. They found that it was in most of those in preventative heart attacks, healthcare. I mean, heart care. They found that that the co- the cost of spending on healthcare drugs uh, um, went uh, went down, but also people that are because of the preventative aspect of it are not having the heart problems they used to have, which cost big bucks when you have to have open heart surgery and all those things. So they they feel that the cardiovascular disease area is the one that has gone down so much that that's what slowed down the cost. And it does help that a lot of the drugs, heart drugs, preventative drugs, uh, are now mostly generic, and so they cost less too. Now, the pharmaceutical industry, you know, will be touting this as, see, we're doing our job, we're reducing costs, we're doing the best we can, and therefore we can justify our prices. Of course, you know they're going to argue that, and to some degree, they could be that could be true. What annoys me the most, by the way, is not that they charge a lot of money. What annoys me is is if you walk across the border and go to Mexico, you can get the exact same drug made by the exact same company for much less money. Why is that? Why do they get so much less made in the same factory? How I know this? How do I know this? I've been down there. I went with my brother who had some things, drugs he has to take all the time. And you go, it's the same packaging. <laughs> and it's when I say same, I mean it's in English, not Spanish. It's made by Eli Lilly. Now, I don't get it. Why is that happening? That should be a concern. Why? That's what they really need to address. Why do other countries pay less for their drugs than we do? Now I realize we, you know, they got the drug companies have to have to make up for the billions of dollars they spend on all the failed drugs. But uh, wait a minute, I just feel like we're being a little bit taken advantage of here. Your questions are always make the show better, everybody. So make sure you give me your questions. So let's fit another question right now. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, Stephen Justin, longtime listener. Love the show. Thanks for everything you guys do. Hey, I have a quick question. I've been looking for a kind of a non-cyclical stock to invest in and something that also is growing for me and might pay a dividend of some type. And I've been looking at auto parts companies, looking at AutoZone, A-Z-O is the ticker symbol for that, and then also O'Reilly, O-R-L-Y. I was wondering what um, 
that those two stocks look like. Uh, they both have had some good growth in that. I don't know if they pay a dividend or not. I don't think either one of them has a lot of debt. What's your guys' thoughts and opinions on that? Thanks. Have a great day. AutoZone, the symbol is AZO. Let's look at that one. Operates 5,618 retail parts stores in the U.S., Mexican, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Brazil, all automotive parts. Okay, so they have 5,600 places, locations. It's a $916 stock, and that should not frighten you because it's always the relationship between earnings and the price. That's what you'll concentrate on, not the price of the stock. Earnings are going to be $63.11 next year, which was $59.40 this year, which is $50.23 last year. So they have been on an earnings growth chair for some time. Sales are growing much slower. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Two to five percent. Oh, quarter over quarter over quarter. So sales growth is not that strong. Meanwhile, the PE ratio is pretty reasonable around the mid-range, right around 15. Right now, the S&P 500 PE ratio is just a tad under 17. So it's not, a, it's not out of line. The stock just hit a new 52-week high yesterday or Friday. And today it went down a little bit, down what? Oh, just a little bit, less than a third of a percent. So um, it's also overbought on the RSI. Remember I mentioned on the other stock earlier, it's also uh, not as overbought on the MACD, moving average moving average convergent, divergent line. And for those techies out there, I use 12, 26, and 9 as my moving averages for the MACD. But it's telling me that you know it's a little it's a little ahead of itself and it should pull back. It's a very solid company. It's very cyclical too. The best time to buy this company is in the next recession. Remember, it's auto parts. Even though they auto parts stores do better than auto companies like Ford, GM, and Mercedes, auto parts does better because people you know, fix their own cars when, when there's a recession instead of, you know, so they, but they still are very cyclical. They still are. So I would wait. I, I don't, there's no big rush. Wait for a pullback. I think it'll get down to about 820 on a pullback. It may even get down to the high 700s. That's what I would wait for. James in New York. How you doing, James? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Trying to fight off this cold, not cough on the air. I think yeah. that's bad manners. Hopefully that passes for you. Yep. Cool. What's your question? Uh, I wanted to just uh, ask about uh, just a habit that I have with in regards to paying my mortgage. I, I will have owned my home for five years in August of this year. And I've uh -huh. developed the habit of applying extra towards my mortgage payment each month. So on a five-year term that I've had my mortgage thus far, I've applied roughly $6,000 additional towards my principal. Um, so that's, a, you can, that a, give or take about 100, 100 to $120 per month on average. I was wondering, does that make a tremendous difference, any difference towards the shortening the life of my mortgage? Yes, it does. It makes a huge difference for the life. That extra $100 a month you're putting directly to the uh, principal. If you have a 30-year mortgage, 
Um, how big is the mortgage, James? How big? Currently, it's about $348,000. Yeah, so you're going to drop, if it's a 30-year mortgage, you may drop probably between 5 and 10 years and you'll find that you'll pay a lot less interest over that period of time. So, yeah, that's a great thing. What I did when I bought my second home, not my first one, but my second home, I paid $500 extra a month. It killed me. I didn't have, you know, tons of money. and But I paid, uh, the reason why I did that, it was a 30-year mortgage due in 10. They had a mortgage back then, 30 years, but it was the whole amount was due in 10, so you had to refinance it in 10 years. I don't know if they even have those these days. But I figured out how much how much I had to pay extra every month to have it paid off in 10 years. And it was about $500 a month. Killed me. But I had the house paid off in 10 years. So, yeah, it, the paying extra into the principal, I don't care how much, helps greatly down the road. And, you know, I don't know how old you are. Jim, but you don't want a mortgage in retirement. You really don't. You, you want to be, you want to own that house so that you can decide either to stay right. in the house or move to, I don't know, while well, you live in New York. So you could stay in the house or move to Florida. Where in New York do you live, James? I live in Staten Island. I'm 32 currently. Okay. And I've had the mortgage uh, when I was 27. Uh, so I'm 32. This is my year, year five. It's starting soon. Okay. Yeah, I know Staten Island well. I worked in New York for eight years, seven seven years, and then in Princeton, New Jersey for another couple of years. So I've been to Staten Island. There's nice nice neighborhoods out there. Yeah, I Jim, I think it's a smart thing. If you can afford it, do it. Uh, you know, it's a, think of it this way: you're saving that hundred dollars a month or whatever it is. You're saving it because you're reducing your mortgage, and that means you're increasing your equity faster into the house. So I think it's a great idea, James. Keep it up. Thank you for the call. Oh, thank you. This is the Vest Talk. Thank you. This is the Vest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope you're making the right choices with the money you have, maybe in your 401k. Candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study fundamentals and trends and all those things we look at, it's very difficult to know just when to get in and out, or should you even bother with that? Or should you use some kind of method depending on how much risk you want to take. You know, those, those are factors that you can fact, you, know, you can utilize. And we can help you with that, Justin and I. We can help you with that. At KPP Financial, we have math-based models, math-based models to do that. Okay, and you can take, a, you know, you can take timely action with these math-based models. And you can read about it more, our active 401k program on investtalk.com. And now I'm, ta- I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And Invest Talk listeners and KPP clients alike are invited to take advantage of the many products and services of KPP Financial. For example, the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays, the new online training experience, Invest Talk Academy, the KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed each Friday, and the next no cost portfolio review opportunity with Steve Peasley. Yes, Steve will be returning to San Jose, California on Wednesday, March 13th 
to meet with InvestTalk listeners who understand the value of having a focused portfolio strategy. If you register and then make time to sit down with Steve, he can very likely show you how to maximize your investment performance. These are free consultations, but space is limited. So get started now at investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART. Okay, we are getting delayed and on-time statistics, so everything's all messed up because of the government shutdown. So, so we had recently, uh, you know, last week we had December's retail sales, which is an important number, which was very weak, down 1.2%, which was pretty darn weak. And it kind of makes me feel that maybe that's not right, but it will affect the fourth quarter GDP number. Okay, uh, and uh, and that will affect the annual GDP number for next year, for last year. We still haven't got the GDP number because it's delight. But you had more recent numbers, U.S. industrial production for January. And what did that do? Well, industrial production fell six-tenths of 1%, well below the forecast of a gain of three-tenths of 1%. So there's a number that's telling you, well, wait a minute, our industrial production number went down too? Does that mean, so remember, retail sales is what consumers are doing. They're buying stuff, but maybe they didn't buy stuff, and maybe that was reflected in industrial production numbers. I don't know. We don't have have enough evidence of what's going on there. But this is a little bit, you know, a little bit nerve-wracking. And then we had the Consumer Sentiment Index come out for February this month. Okay, and it rebounded because it was falling, but it rebounded in February. Now, consumer sentiment, that's, that's kind of a, to me, I call it a kind of a soft number because depending on the sentiment is a survey. They talk to people. How do you feel? How do you feel about the economy? How do you feel about the future? How do you feel about what your job? How do you feel? It's feeling. And so that makes, I never like it because it's not statistical analysis of any kind. It's how people feel. Well, you want them to feel good and they feel better, they spend. And that's, you know, remember, they're driving the economy. So I'm thinking we're seeing a little bit weakness in the economy, but still a pretty strong economy. Look at the jobs. Until we see more evidence, it looks like we still are going to have a fairly strong economy, but there's little cracks. Now, looking at housing, there was a housing a builder sentiment. But, of course, the builder sentiment was up, surprisingly up, for January. Now, we should have gotten new home construction numbers and a couple others, but that's delayed. So, it's very frustrating for me because I'm a stat guy. I like the statistics, and we're just not getting them. But the statistics are telling us we're seeing some weaknesses and more cracks. Remember I talked about in the summer that I saw a bunch of cracks in the housing market in the summer? That kind of turned out to be right. The housing kind of weakened. Now I'm thinking that the housing market is starting to pick up a little bit. Nothing nothing grandioso. Just pick up a little bit. So, And that will help other sectors and everything else. This is the Vest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. The year seems to be moving pretty fast, and so is this show, everybody. Always moves fast every day to me. So, but we still have about 10 minutes left, and 
you can get your call in if you want to at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, Apple needs to tackle the issue of slowing iPhone sales. However, one analyst thinks that buying Netflix would have been a costly mistake for Apple. That story tomorrow. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom of the investment world. I'm grateful that you give up part of your day to help us little guys. I'm calling to ask about a short squeeze, specifically around the company Roku, symbol R-O-K-U. I believe I benefited from a short squeeze with this company back in September when I sold at an extremely high price. I bought back into the position around $30, where I speculatively valued this business. It looks like this, these same stars are aligning again, and there could be another price run-up. I want to ask you how you would evaluate a potential short squeeze and in order to determine the right time to sell, and what indicators you look at to see if there is a potential squeeze on the way. Thanks so much. Okay, well, there's not a, the, the short interest is not heavy enough, I think, for a short squeeze, at least this time. The short interest is 1.3 days. Um, and so 1.3 days means the average volume of the stock is 11 million, 11 and a half million shares. So that means about uh, seven, 16, 17 million shares are being shorted. Shorted means people that they expect the stock to go down in price. So there's that many shares that are shorted, and they will make money if the stock goes down in price. A short squeeze is when they're wrong and the stock goes up, and as it continues up and up and up, they're losing. Those short people with short positions, we call them short positions, keep losing more and more and more money, and they have to get out. To get out of a short is the act of buying. And so they're actually hurting themselves because it's driving up the price because they're trying to get out. So they're driving more people are selling, you know, they, they're selling to people who want. So it's, it's a short, that's what they call a short squeeze. So is that going on now? I don't think so. Uh, but I, I do think that the stock is shortable and I can see why people are because they don't make money. They're not going to make money this year. They've never made money. They're not going to make money next year. They're not going to make money. They have sales. This is Roku, Roku, R-O-K-U, Inc., develops streaming entertainment devices for delivering entertainment to the to, to the television. So it's a $5.8 billion, and they have $173 million uh, with their sales a quarter. So four $500 million in a, five, a year, and uh, 10 times that is what is the, the is the market cap and that's really high for a stock that's not going to make money so that's why people would short it now it does have the growth the growing sales 39 40 55 percent so the sales are growing so everybody thinks that's exciting but at some point they got to make a profit and they're just not doing it i think if you are if you own the stock you got to have a tight stop Follow it with a tight stop. As soon as it rolls over, it could fall fast. So I would be very, very careful. Okay, appreciate the call. Okay, how do you slash your 2018 t- t- 
taxes? Well, one, you can contribute to an IRA. You can do that up to April 15th. For last year, you can contribute to your IRA up to April 15th, and then you can deduct that, okay? Deduct that from your taxes. You also can contribute to your HSA, health savings account. You can deduct that from your taxes, too. So the normal normal amount is what five thousand for the IRA, sixty five hundred if you're over fifty, uh, uh, and the maximum contribution I think is for your HSA is thirty four fifty three thousand four hundred fifty. So uh, for individuals, if you're married, I think it's six thousand nine hundred. Anyway, so, and if you're self-employed, you know, you have SEP IRA, and you can go up to, you can use that, and uh, you can go up to, what, 18500 So, you know, try to take advantage. Talk to your accountants about these numbers, because I am not an expert, as someone pointed out to me in an email today, asking me about uh, uh, uh uh, RMDs and things that I'm just not an expert on. I can tell you what I know, but I'm not an expert on any of that stuff. But you got to get organized. You got to make sure you get this done before the April 15th day, tax day. Make sure you get it done. Time to close, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Tomorrow's a new day, and you'll have lots of market questions, I'm sure. I'm hoping. So please come back ask your questions. Have a great evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.